Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So glad you're tuning into Dose of Leadership. This is the show that's going to help you individually and in your organization as well become dramatically more effective if you listen to the show and you put into play some of the tactics and the techniques and the philosophies that are put forth by our, by our guests and also by my solo episodes. And speaking of that, just so that you know, every Monday I'm going to release an interview conversation, a conversation with another great thought leader. On Fridays, I'm going to release my solo episodes. I've been getting a lot of requests and a lot of great feedback from the solo episodes, so I'm going to be a little more consistent in my schedule. Mondays, interview shows. Fridays, solo episodes where it's me espousing my philosophies and beliefs about leadership. So packed full of great content and resources, again, to help you become that calm, confident, consistent, and courageous leader in every aspect of your life. That is what we do at this show. Great guest today, Melinda Whitstock, joins us on Dose of Leadership. She truly defies labels. She's a serial entrepreneur. She's a social media sensei, a tech geek, an award-winning journalist, a mindfulness maven. She's all about authenticity and authentic connections and evolved leadership. And I love what she has to say about it. And uh, she is the CEO and founder of Verifeed, a social intelligence company now hard at work at creating a quote-unquote social media Alexa in your pocket, which will leverage artificial intelligence to take the pain and guesswork out of our social engagement. She's also launching a brand new podcast coming down the pike and writing a book on female entrepreneurship. And it was such an honor to have her on the show. And this show is brought to you by my new sponsor and partner, FreshBooks. FreshBooks has made my life ridiculously easy when it comes to my entrepreneurial journey. As many of you know, I work full-time as an airline pilot, but do this. My passion is this podcast, which also leads to me helping individuals and organizations become dramatically more effective by introducing common sense leadership, a cultural catalyst, if you will, helping organizations create, and foster, and flourish that culture of leadership, which is so needed. It's the main reason. It's the great antidote the most effective antidote, the only antidote that's going to get you to the next level in both your personal and professional life. But FreshBooks, again, has redesigned from the ground up a custom-built accounting software platform in the cloud that works exactly the way I work. It works really for the small business owner, for the freelancer, for people like myself out there who are trying to create a business and add value to the world. FreshBooks understands that, and that's the reason why I'm in love with them. It's the reason why I use them for my accounting software. It is really the simplest way, the most simplest way to be more productive, more organized, and most importantly, they've helped me get paid much more quickly. And I gotta love that because cash flow is king. I'll tell you a little bit more about what FreshBooks and their special offer that they're offering just for you, but they, it's giving a 30-day unrestricted free trial to all of you, to my listeners, and to claim it. Just go to freshbooks.com slash dose and enter Dose of Leadership in the How Did You Hear About Us section and get started with your free trial. Trust me, you're going to be a convert uh, if you're looking for some accounting site solution for your small business. All right, without further ado, here is Melinda Whitstock on Dose of Leadership. Thank you for being a fan of the show and taking part. Well, Melinda, I'm so happy that you're on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Oh, it's great to be with you. I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, as a father of four daughters, I've had many women entrepreneurs and, and leaders on the show, and, and we were talking in the pre-recording about 
Um, you're starting a podcast, you're writing a book, all kind of focused on uh, when, women entrepreneurship and leadership. How did you um, how did you decide to go down this path? Well, really, my own personal experience. Um, I I was really interested in what the DNA of success is for women entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, in recent months, I mean, there's been a lot in the news about this, where women struggle to raise enough capital um, from VCs and other investors, in fact, only getting 2% um, of the money. And th these are, these are, you know, scalable businesses that could be kind of billion dollar moonshots. Um, but women still struggle in that area and in technology. And there's been a lot of stuff in the, in, in the news about that and particularly women in technology at Uber and other places. And, um, you know, it's really born of my own personal journey. Um, I've seen a lot of things along the way in terms of wh what we do that's really special um, that that we bring to the table that can sometimes be undervalued by society, and then other things that we do where we honestly get in our own way. <laughs> and, right. um, and what are those things? And how can we really get into our authentic feminine power, if you will, um, to really show up in a way that society needs, that business needs? Um, um, and also, I mean, I, I have a, a, my own personal moonshot. I've got a few, but one of them is that I want to be able to invest in 100 um, female-founded um, and run businesses in the next 10 years. Oh, great. Um, and I, I think, you know, my whole credo in life is, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. And one of the areas where women have gotten in their own way is by not really necessarily helping each other. And I think it's it's hard in, in a pioneering kind of atmosphere when you're the only woman in the room, you're trying to kind of figure stuff out, you know, um, to begin with. And, you know, women um, are getting better, you know, at being able to kind of help each other up. But I really want to encourage an ecosystem where women are genuinely like helping each other, writing checks for each other, <laughs> mentoring <laughs> right. each other right. like that. So this is really the opening part of this is to launch a podcast and talk to these amazing women who are doing incredible things, sometimes, um, you know, despite and uh, not because of, but they're pioneers, um, all of them. So coming up when I launched the, the show, I've named it Wings of Inspired Business, this idea of like taking flight. <laughs> right. Um, and I have folks coming on like uh, Kara Golden from uh, Hint Water, who I also interviewed for my book. And it's fascinating to hear her talking, talking about how to take on, you know, sort of very male dominated, like supply chain sort of issues or go up against Coke and Pepsi and what that takes. And, um, and then other women who one that actually invented, you know, if you have a Samsung phone or a Samsung TV, I mean, she invented the pixel technology um, that's on every single, you know, screen. Amazing but who's ever heard of her? Right. <laughs> so part of the thing is to really affirm and acclaim, you know, women who are doing these amazing things and, and give younger women really the permission to go for it, like be all that they are. Yeah. And older women who may be thinking of reinventing themselves, the similar permission just to go and step into their authentic selves and, and, and just be and go and do amazing things. You know, we, we talk about that a lot on this show and it's certainly, 
um, central to my beliefs uh, as individuals become better leaders that if you're going to be, or one of the requirements, if you're going to be an effective leader is that you have to tap into that authentic and vulnerable side. Now, a lot of times people hear that and they, they claim, Oh, well that's, that's kind of um, squishy and it's kind of, there's not a lot of strength behind it, but it's exact opposite. There can be nothing more strong than being authentic and, and vulnerable. There's great strength in that. And I think that's why, um, and I've worked with some great leaders and some really bad ones. Some of the best leaders I've ever worked for have been um, very authentic and very powerful women in an authentic way. And some of the worst leaders I've worked for have been women as well. And if I look at the difference between what made one great and why, and I honestly think, and maybe I'm biased because I have four daughters, I think women can actually, in a lot of ways, be better leaders and, and because it's a, it's a type of leadership that's so needed like right now that authentic piece and it seems like women if they tap into that authentic side they're e- they're they're easier at it than a lot of my male counterparts are does that make sense and i don't want it to try to break it down to stereotypes but i think we are different in that sense or at least we gravitate strength wise to the to, to the authentic side is, is more gravitated towards women what do you think yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think there's a bunch of things you said there that 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 really resonate with me. Um, I, I I think with authenticity, um, it can be actually scary yeah. to some oh, people. Sure is, yeah. um, and I think the people who call it squishy or whatever are actually masking <laughs> something there yeah. because to I mean the tragedy is so many people go through life and they live somebody else's life. They do all the things they were supposed to do or should do. Um, A lot of the women that I, 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 you know, interview in the book and the podcast, you know, they talk about how they felt that they had to go to get all these different credentials or degrees, or they have, they put all these things in front of what they actually wanted to do. I think what's interesting is to see, um, you know, women in particular start to kind of bloom in their like late thirties, forties, fifties, because at that point it's kind of like they have nothing to lose. Why not be yourself? Right. It would be amazing um, to see more men and women just kind of step into that. And what's fascinating about it is you see there's a kind of a providence to it. Like when you stand up and declare like who you really are, like, what you love to do, what makes your heart sing, <laughs> I guess, mm-hmm. or like just who you are. Like how do, how do you how do you most like to spend your time? Like what are the things that most matter to you? And when you live in alignment with that, just on a day to day basis, magic happens. It's sort of um, I don't know. I I I was talking to a, a woman yesterday um, from the book who told me that the minute that she just put out into the world. Um, from actually a pretty vulnerable place. I mean, she'd quit her job that she'd been in for 10 years and she just put out into the world that she wanted to work with companies that were, you know, really like for-profit scalable companies that also had a philanthropic sort of purpose. And she was like, put that out in the world in her LinkedIn profile. It was like who she was, what mattered. And suddenly the whole kind of universe, she got all these amazing opportunities right. that found her. Um, she wasn't pursuing anymore. She was like attracting the things that were in alignment with the honesty of just sort of declaring like, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. 
Um, so I think that's a really important piece. The other aspect of it that you were talking about in terms of women and what women bring to the table that's a little bit different when they are in that authentic power, I think that our brains are a little bit more web-like. We, <laughs> we, right. we connect a lot of dots and we're very relationship-focused. And so, you know, people will say women are more empathetic than men. And I don't think that necessarily has to be true. Um, I think a lot of uh, women focus on that a lot more because we've been socialized to really care about the relationship. And I think caring about the relationship is really great and really wonderful. And we all need to do that, except when we care about it at our own cost. I mean, so sometimes women as entrepreneurs are like too slow to fire somebody or they'll stay in a toxic relationship. that's not good for them or or they will act in fear because they're afraid of being like literally cast out of the tribe. Um, and so with any one of these qualities, there are good things and, and bad things about them. I personally think the, the highest evolved leaders that I see combine the best of being a man and the best of being a woman, Agreed. whether they're a man or a woman. Uh, and that to me is a really kind of highly evolved leadership position. Well, and they, you're, that's exactly right. And you hit that on the, on, right on the head. And I think that if understanding where your strengths are and play to them and then find other ways to augment where you're not so good at either surrounding yourself by other people, trying to improve yourself as well. But I think we should spend most of our time and energies on, on in the strength alley and, the, and stay in that lane as much as we can and find other ways to augment our so quote unquote air quote weaknesses. But you're right. I think that, um, and that's when I looked back at those, uh, leaders that I've worked for, worked with, uh, who are women leaders, they tapped into that. They said, look, I'm not going to try. And the ones that who weren't so good at it were really bad. It was that they were trying to emulate a stereotypical male driver leadership style. You know, oh, yeah, I that never tr- works for women. That's actually a really big theme of the book and the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because we had no female role models. Like the only role models, particularly for a certain generation coming up, you know, were men. So like we thought we had to be dudes. Exactly. (laughs) Like succeed. But then that's hardly authentic really, is it? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and when women take on some of those things, um, it just, it just doesn't work. Work, yeah. you know, there's something a little bit like it doesn't resonate. No, well, and, and I go back. So we'll look at Margaret Thatcher, you know, back in in the '80s, and look at her leadership style. I mean, take aside any what you think about politics, but look how she led, and she led as an authentic. Um, you know, you do it's it's like gender just didn't even become an issue, and that's <clears throat> to your point when you're reaching that level of leadership, no one's thinking about. It your gender or your race for that matter or anything, you know? Yeah. It was funny actually like Margaret Thatcher. So a long time ago, sort of little known maybe fact about me. I mean, I used to be a, a correspondent on the times of London and I had the opportunity to meet her a couple of times right. and it was fascinating how she could be so strong and direct. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, if you met her in person, I mean, she really was feminine. Right. Um, and, and, but in a, in, yeah, in a very authentic way, she did really combine, um, both of those qualities. Yeah, I, just, sure. I love her leadership style and her ability, right. To, you know, tap into, it's that combination that you're talking about. It's, it's the, 
intensity side coupled with uh, a humble teachable side. And that combination mm-hmm. is very powerful. And we tend to gravitate toward ones to the other, you know, and I remember, remember seeing her for the first time and marveling at the fact that, you know, when you see her on television, you never would have rem- thought of her as having like um, wearing like stiletto heels or whatever. She did like, she had really good legs. <laughs> she was like, I wore these like <laughs> spiky heels and like her television image, you know, was not necessarily like that. Like, right. I don't know. It was very funny. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. So how, from an entrepreneurship standpoint, we talk about this um, on the show on many of the entrepreneurs that I've had on here is that at some point um, you said you'd never really, you wouldn't really jive in a corporate arena. You, you're entrepreneurial, you're contrarian to uh, the individualism. At some point though, when you're starting a business, particularly you have to realize that leadership comes into play. And every entrepreneur that I've talked to in person and on the show, they said at some point there was kind of a splat moment where they're like, oh my God, I better figure this out on what this whole leadership game is. And up to that point, they've all been, it was all about the product, the marketing, you know, raising capital, all those things that are associated with entrepreneurship. But at some point, if I'm going to, if you're going to sustain and grow the business, leadership has to be front and center. Did that happen with you? Yeah, it's absolutely, it's absolutely true. So, I mean, I did have some sort of corporate-ish leadership um, background. I mean, I talked about, I was a journalist, but I moved, um, which is a very individual, very competitive individual sport, if you will, and moved from there into television, which is teamwork. And I was a television host, but I was also in effect, the executive producer of my first show that I hosted. And I had to run a team, um, with, you know, 30 people, um, and, and make that work. And that, that was also true, um, of my work at the BBC. And all through that time, I learned a lot of really important lessons about leadership and what works and what doesn't. And a lot of it is having the right team. I mean, hiring well, um, and hiring on character, um, but also making sure that everybody's in the right seat, um, that is in aligned with their own authentic purpose. Right. Um, and that you create a culture um, and a culture that everybody is bought into. <laughs> and if you're able to do that, then it makes the leadership piece a lot easier. But if you set yourself up in a situation where you have to micromanage everything or, or, or you have toxic people who are just like, you know, whatever you define toxic as, but in my case, I would define it as people who are not really positive, who really, you know, often those sorts of people are in the wrong jobs, right? (laughs) If they're not enjoying it, if they don't like it, if they're being disruptive or difficult, or, you know, um, undermining other people or playing office politics games, you know, I, I would define that as toxic. So those people do not belong on a team, at least not on my team. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, surely finding the right people is, is tantamount to success. What do we do when we inherit that kind of toxic team? I mean, I mean I've seen in my own personal experience in the beginning, I made mistakes. I think, God, if I could just change the hearts and minds of these people who don't see things my way, everything will be just hunky dory. And I spend, yeah, sometimes and, you can't. I exactly. Mean, but no, well, that was my really problem. Change another person. Yeah. yeah. So, like a lot of times, it can be that someone's just doing a job that they again they're out of alignment with their own authentic purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're doing a job that doesn't align with them personally. 
right? And and so a job of a great leader is to really understand whether they're suited for the task that they're actually right. being asked the- to do every day. And like, and sometimes they're not like they're there because they think they should, their parents told them or their friends told them, or they think somehow, and they're often relieved um, and liberated when either they are asked to move on to like a different job. It's the catalyst that, that gets them on the right path or really um, mentored um, internally within a company or a startup or an org- organization um, to be, what is it that they really want to do? What is it that really makes their heart sing? Cause when someone is in that right seat, they are going to be so grateful and so happy that they're going to do much better work. And then they don't have to be micromanaged and you know, that kind of thing. Right. So um, really I, I think a good leader, first of all, I mean, the hiring is critical, but if you like to your point, if you inherit a team, um, it's just really observe them a little bit over time, ask them the right questions, really figure out what it is. Um, be their concierge in a way yeah. um, to help them find their purpose. We'll get back to our conversation with Melinda Whitstock in just a moment, but as promised, I wanted to give you some more information about my brand new sponsor and partner FreshBooks. I just want you to imagine what it's like in my life. Again, I love doing this podcast. It's my favorite thing to do. And I also My other favorite thing to do is to work with organizations, helping them become more effective in everything that they do, introducing uh, the leadership culture that's so needed in in our personal and professional lives. But if you can imagine my time when I'm home, when I'm not flying, I'm constantly working on this business, taking care of the family. I'm racing against the clock to wrap up different projects, get uh, proposals out, prepping for this podcast, recording intros, trying to find new guests for the show. In the meantime, I'm trying to tackle a whole mountain of paperwork and actually get paid for all my efforts, right? And so welcome to the life as an entrepreneur. But I love it. It's challenging. I wouldn't have it any other way. It's challenging, but FreshBooks completely understands it. They've redesigned their accounting software from the ground up for small business owners, entrepreneurs, just like myself, just like you. The bottom line is the working world has changed, right, forever. And the growth of the internet, and you've heard me say this on the show, this is the best time to be alive on the planet. I Honest to God, anybody out there, the willingness and desire to better themselves, this is the time to do it. It's, it really is the age of entrepreneurship as far as I'm concerned. And to meet this need, FreshBooks, um, again, is announcing to launch an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned, like I said, from the ground up, and it's custom-built to exactly the way you work. It's really the most simplest way to be more productive, more organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. All of that has changed dramatically once I started working with FreshBooks. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. You can create and send professional-looking invoices branded to your brand in less than 30 seconds. You set up online payments with just a couple clicks and get paid up to four days faster. That's how much quicker I'm getting paid. And you can also see when your client has seen your invoice, you can put an end to all the guessing games. And again, like I said, a special offer for all of you out there. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to all of you. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash dose and enter Dose of Leadership in the How Did You Hear About Us section. All right, back to the great conversation with Melinda Woodstock. And I think moving them up or moving them out, I think, and I know that sounds kind of harsh, but I think that's sometimes the best thing you can do is like, it's almost like these are the expectations that I have. And and I think celebrating those individuals who are emulating the, the mission, vision, values that you're trying to um, 
you know, put forth in your business. And instead of trying to get down to that, that level and bring that person up, just kind of almost spend your time with those that are emulating it. And I know that sounds kind of harsh, but it seems like then that gives that opportunity for that, that person who's maybe not in that right seat or maybe not kind of, um, on board with what's going on, they'll either rise up or or they'll leave, or at least it'll start the conversation. Like, you know, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think that often, um, when a leader, and this goes back to authenticity, when you're very clear about your mission, exactly. purpose. Um, people that are going to join your team start to sort of self-select. Right. 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 So it can be polarizing, but that's a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't want people there that don't actually really want to be there. Exactly. And then when there is a conflict or when there is something that goes wrong, things go wrong all the time in startups and in business. I mean, you know, every, every day in, in a startup, you can be like within the hour, you can be elated five times and like devastated five times. So, so um, without having like uh, um, that kind of purpose or alignment, it's very difficult to keep a team um, really, you know, pushing through and, and really doing their best even when things go wrong. Right. Well, is that kind of what we're talking about here? Is that what prompted you to start Verify to try to get these kind of authentic conversations or at least the culture, at least planting the seeds of an authentic culture in an organization? Talk to me a little bit about Verify. And why yeah. I mean, it's a really interesting question. And I, I think of how I evolved because it's my fourth company and it evolved in a way way, way back, you know, sort of out of my journalism, because as a journalist, I always wanted to be first and right and predictive. And I really wanted to understand truth. I mean, like, and, and like concepts, concepts like truth and, and, um, trust and, um, uh, you know, like things like source reputation, all that kind of stuff was, was really important as a journalist. And so carrying that with me through different companies that I've created all the way by like what they share in the course of their kind of everyday conversations, like what you can discern about their um, interests or hobbies or attitudes, tastes, needs, challenges, you know, all that kind of stuff. We can help people find their true tribe, if you will, their, their, their most likely pre-qualified customers, but also the people who would like be so likely to love them so much that they would turn into influencers on, on a behalf of a company or a cause or an organization. Um, and so within that, as we were, the algorithms were analyzing all these millions of conversations, we, we started to see a really interesting trend and there are a lot of reasons for this trend, which I can unpack for you, but the trend is very simple, that, that consumers now are in charge in a way that businesses once used to be. And I call it like a C to B economy rather than a, a B to C. The consumers have all the choice and so much more information, and they're really self-selecting that they want to buy from companies that are authentic, that they're they that, that that take the time to get to know them, have a personal relationship with them. In otherwise, in other words, rather, brands and businesses that show up with authenticity. Because you can't really have a very personal connection or the type of personal connection that the consumer now demands without showing up 
authentically without taking the time to personalize your, say, your messages on social or like get to know your customers. Because at the end of the day, people buy from people that they know and that they like and that they trust. And so that authenticity piece is really critical. So how this kind of happened in a way is that, you know, as we're analyzing all these conversations, we saw the brands and businesses that were crushing it were doing so because they were making the conversation about their customer, not about them. And then they were being also very clear about who they were um, as people. Because we we buy we have relationships with people, not faceless brands. Right. And so that led us to kind of unpack. Well, well, what is it like if we had to create a protocol for how to be authentic? What would it be? And the result it was an algorithm or a series of algorithms called Return on Authenticity. We saw that there was an actual measurable and predictable and growing return from being authentic. Right. Um, so we can actually score. Um, a company, um, but moreover, tell them exactly what they need to do um, to really put a viral multiplier on their on their messaging on social media. So it's a very different way of approaching it that really puts the consumer first and matches you to the right. By, by you declaring who you are, you end up being in a situation where you're more likely to attract the right type of people, just as we were talking about in the mm-hmm. hiring case. It's the same thing on social media with attracting your customers. So you're able to attract the right sort of people to you rather than having to pursue them. <laughs> you just attract them to you. It's like much easier, yeah. less expensive. <laughs> And uh, it's better not only for revenue, but also for your margins. Yeah, so. what you're saying really resonates with me. And I think that there's such a, there's so many, um, there's such a river of opportunity or a bed of opportunity for companies to tap into that. I, I agree with you. I think that you know, if I look at traditional advertising or even advertising on social media, it's always, you know, trying to grab and no one's paying attention. No one's paying attention to commercial. I, I don't know. It's just, no, am- it is, don't. it's yeah. amazing. No, it's, to- it's like, it's like the equivalent of someone standing on a street saying me, 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 me. Like you just like think the person's mm-hmm. crazy, right? It's yep. the same thing on social media. It's like making a friend in real life. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, Slow, pro- slow, pro- yeah, it's a lengthy it's, process. It's, it takes seven to 12 steps. And we've broken it down mm-hmm. to get to the point where you're actually, at the point where you have enough trust that you can ask someone to buy something. Um, I mean, if you look at the key drivers of, of any business of what's going to make it successful, you know, it's always, it's customer service, it's effective communications and it's employee engagement. And if you look at, and I think the communication and the engagement piece are kind of tied together and you look at what makes an organization engaged internally, um, it's the effective communication coming from the senior leadership on talking about what it is we're trying to accomplish and why. And I don't think you can over-communicate that. I think it's impossible to over-communicate that. And I think it is one of the key functions that senior leaders should do. And then if, because if I, as a stakeholder in the organization, know where we're going and, and why we're heading that way, and I know how my role feeds into that, then I'm going to feel fired up and engaged but even externally for the customer, as you're saying, it's the same thing, kind of just flipped a little bit. If, if companies would tap in that authentic self, and, and uh, it, it's really one of my pet peeves in seeing how senior leaders or even the organization doesn't communicate in an authentic way about what's going on, you know, internally and externally. And I think if you do that, to your point, I mean, you're just going to attract. It's a, it's a whole different world. Yeah. No, it's it, really true. It just takes effort, though, and I think the, the challenge is, though, I find a lot of, particularly in large organizations, and it'd be interesting to see what you what you your experience has been on this. 
is, and I've, and I've talked to a few CEOs saying, Hey, you get out there. You, and some of them are afraid to even come on the show because of that. You know, the ones that are successful, they come, they just bear their souls, you know, and a lot of them don't want to do it because they think they have an image that pulled or they'll have their, their, their lawyer or their, their communication PR sitting next to them and making sure we're not going to say the wrong thing. And which I well, get. See, so, but- so much of that is, is fear. Yeah. You know, like one of the things that happens, a lot of the kind of startup founders that I've mentored over the years. And I think this is true of myself as well. To begin with, you think, who is your customer? Like everybody's my customer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, right. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but there's kind of a fear, I and mean, we're all social beings. We all want to be liked, right? Um, and so there's a fear, and kind of like, oh, like if I show my myself, well, my true self, maybe people won't like me. That's kind of an existential fear. I mean, I think we just need to kind of put that out there because I think that's one of the reasons why. And so the, the the critical thing to being authentic, of course, is is learning to actually like yourself. Exactly. Um, yeah. Even the things that you perceive to be the icky bits <laughs> of yourself, we all have them. Like we all have these things. Like, oh my god, I wish I was like ten pounds lighter, or I wish I was this or that, or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Or there's some kind of fear that oh if we really show that we won't be liked or we'll be worse like ridiculed or something like that so expand that out now into a corporate level where you have a lot of people who are paid to mitigate risk like lawyers and all of that and you you put that on top of a fortune 500 and of course they're afraid yeah to to be themselves but that's one of the reasons why the fortune 500s for the most part aren't doing so well in um you know in connecting in connecting with people because the earth, like it's sort of like there's this huge earthquake underneath them. And the, the way business is played is changing very, very quickly. And it's changing mostly driven by millennials who are having a massive influence on all the other generations in terms of like how we choose to buy products. Yeah. And that's what amazes me. And you look at it, you know, and you see the stupid commercials like, uh, you know, Pepsi making the commercial with, whatever was it Kendall Jenner or whatever, one of the Kardashians or whatever to try to tap into the protest movement. You know, they do stupid things. I'm like, how? (laughs) So inauthentic, right? Like that's the, that's the problem. And people see right through it. I mean, I think one of the things that, uh, that has been fascinating to watch is how we've all been trained by social media and companies um, in particular, like Amazon or Spotify or, you know, many more besides to expect this really personalized experience. And because we share so much about ourselves on social media, we expect all these brands and businesses to know us and care about us. And frankly, if they don't, there's many other alternatives. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And so the, the big companies think they can do it like they always used to be able to do it, which is just kind of like, I'm just going to put this message out. Here's what we're selling. And then everybody's going to come to us. And the problem they're making, the problem they have is they're saying me, 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 me. When in fact they should be saying, Hey, how can I help you? Yeah. Um, and the, that's what I mean about switching from a B to C economy to a C to B economy that the tables have turned and really switched. And so in that, it's really in that context that the authenticity becomes very important. Yeah. Well said. Well, I, that, what you're doing at Verify, that really resonates with me because I think you're tapping into something that is, is underserved 
I think it's still an uphill battle for a lot of us who see it that way, because I know there's a lot of people that still don't see it that way. They're like, no, you don't understand, you know, and that's where we still get, I'm still amazed of the companies that I work with that your way sounds good, but we've got deadlines and results to accomplish and your way isn't. And I'm like, what do you think? What? It's all tied together. You know, I said, it is, in- it is. And so you get so kind of tied up in the numbers of the quarter that you lose the year. Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, and you know, what's really interesting of when we look at um, the social conversations and also the sort of more evolved enterprise kind of mission driven um, aspects that, that the companies that are doing either one or both of those things are driving a much higher company valuation, even in a mergers and acquisitions scenario. So, I mean, it, it really does, they seem like intangible things, but they do have a direct correlation to your numbers, whether you're trying to drive traffic, conversions, revenue, you know, like impact, getting people to donate or like take action, um, sign a petition, or whether it's the actual valuation of your company. And that's, again, why it's just like the return um, on the authenticity is so important. I think a lot of people struggle with social media and other forms of advertising because up until now, it's been expensive guesswork. And, and so why keep guessing if you can know? And this is why like the data and all the, the, the innovations around like sort of the machine learning and artificial intelligence and whatnot that is kind of part of what we do um, allows you to pinpoint and target with accuracy who your ideal customers actually are and get to know them and listen to them so you stand a chance, really, a chance of them listening to you. <laughs> Right. And if you know them, then at least you can, and you know yourself, then you can match a, a message that is, is resonates with your target customers. You know who actually is going to be interested in your authentic message. And that's where magic happens when you can connect those two things. I love it. I think it's great. I, th- I love what you're doing with, with Verifeed and, and I love the the angle that you're coming at it or the, the direction that you're coming from because it taps into the the core of what is essential or fundamental in leadership and in life and it leads to significance and I just don't think it, you can't get there any other way and I think you're right that it's it's overdue companies are overdue to tap into that authenticity vibe and, or that vein if they don't they're just gonna they're not going to be innovative. They're going to they're going to wither away and die. And we're seeing that with the, you know the kind of the brick and mortar retail space. We're seeing it with kind of these large companies that are just like trying to flounder and figure out their way. The Toys R Uses of the world, and you know they should have. They're just and maybe they're coming at it too late. You know they had, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's it is that it's partly that it's too late. It's partly that Amazon again, has trained people to, like, if you can get a concierge experience, why go and be treated like a number somewhere else? Why do that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think these these forces are shifting so rapidly. And I think one of the other ones that's really important, I think, to your listeners is that just some of the interesting research that's going on. Did you know that by 2020, 40% of the American workforce will be gig workers. I mean, that is people who go from like freelance gig to freelance gig to freelance gig. They won't even be working in corporate anymore because as these corporations are sort of no longer relevant, like the economy is switching in so many different ways so quickly 
So it means that all these gig, gig workers or freelancers or people with side gigs, or whatever, they're all going to have to hang their shingle on social media and have those kind of relationships to be able to find their customers. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, I even see that for myself uh, on this side gig, you know, from being a consultant, a podcast host and, and trying to find clients too. I mean, I live and die by social media. You know, in developing and not in the sense of and I think that what the growing pains for me have been is that my mindset is trained on I'm trying to be, you know, like the guy from Mad Men creating an advertising thing to to hook them in. And, yeah, the more authentic that I've become on this show and in my offering that you gave that example of that that woman who finally said, you know what, I'm just tired. This is what I'm going to do. And you start attracting the universe has to move when you do that. I mean, that's. Oh, it's one. so true. Yeah. It's just like this thing that's so it sounds so simple. <laughs> it's like the most <laughs> elegant, easy things, right? They're really kind of simple in the end, yeah. right? Um, and that's really true. And I, I think for podcasters, certainly, I mean, I'm going to use my own Verifeed protocol on myself as I launch the podcast and, and the book. Um, really using social media to talk directly to my audience, you know, and potential audience, find the people who would be most interested and engage them, ask them what they want to hear about on the pod, you know, like that. I I'm going to be, I'm, I'm putting myself through my own, <laughs> yeah, no. my own protocol to really find my listeners. For well, I, and I can speak from experience, you know, doing this almost five years, I can, I mean, I can almost, and I never thought about it being measurable because I've always struggled. We all struggle with how do you measure the intangibles, but I know that when, and I can't even listen to my first episodes because I was <laughs> trying to be this, you know, AP reporter and had my list of questions and I do my research on people and I study and I read the books if I can, if it's out, you know, or at least parts, of, you know, and I do, I'm extremely interested in the guests, but I look at what I was doing in the first, you know, 25 episodes and it's painful because I didn't even, I wasn't even listening to what they were saying because I was just looking at my list of questions I had to do. And then I, and, and now I'm observing, even watching people on TV, the great interviewers and the not so great. And you can tell if they're listening or not, you know what I mean? Oh my God. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. So I, I used to, it's funny as a former TV host and anchor, um, whenever I watch television and I see a host ask a question that's longer than the answer. Right. <laughs> Wait a minute. The best, one of the things that I learned very early on in that respect, like going way, way back to my days at the BBC and ABC and other places, was that when I finally had the confidence to throw away my notes, like I would yes. read them, I would research people beforehand, but then if I had the confidence to go into an interview and just listen and yep. go off script, it used to drive the producers crazy sometimes. You know, like, Melinda, you were supposed to ask that question. I'd be hearing that in my earpiece. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, no, I just, she or he just said something that needs a follow-up. And if I had just stuck to the questions, I wouldn't look like, honestly, to an audience, like an idiot for not being right. in the conversation. You, yeah. <laughs> and I'm still working on it too, but I think that, the, and that's why I love audio. And I think the power of audio is so, it's, it's an, it's so powerful because you can, you can really engage an audience. But I think to me, if, if I can just close my eyes and listen to what the guest is saying and then just kind of go down the rabbit hole if my curiosity takes me there. 
that's the best way to do it. Um, Like, I mean, I, you know, for instance, this, this conversation that we're having right now is that it is a conversation and, and that is awesome. I mean, just so much more, I think um, interesting to, to listen to Um, also like audio is such an intimate um, medium as well. Um, um, So like the podcast that, you know, podcasts are amazing i'm I'm a podcast addict i listen to so many (laughs) it's a great medium it is well gosh i i just love what you're doing i love what you stand for how can people get in touch with you and learn more about verifeed about what you're doing about the podcast about the book yeah absolutely that's awesome so the best way i answer all my emails so you can always email me um melinda at verifeed.com so it's pretty easy it's spelled v-e-r-i-f eed.com. Uh, and then also I have like a, a exclusive offer right now that expires on the 15th of October, but it's to be able to work with me. I'm accepting um, up to 20 people who will work with me personally on finding their authentic voice and developing the social media strategy that puts a real viral multiplier, you know, on their social media efforts, finds them their right tribe and, and also um, their uh, key influencers who will refer um, people back to them. And if you're interested in that, um, you can go to verifeed.com slash exclusive. Um, and it's uh, highly discounted, grandfathered, and I'm one of the 20 I mentioned. I'm putting myself through my own pro- protocol um, for um, the growth of my podcast. Um, and so I'm really excited about this group. I'm looking for people who are entrepreneurs or at least entrepreneurial, um, people who want to increase their thought leadership, um, and people who really want to show up in the world in an authentic way. And um, and so, uh, yeah, you can go to uh, verifeed.com slash exclusive and check it out. Awesome. I'll have links to all of this, including that special uh, verifeed.com slash exclusive offer. And um, and how about links to everything else and all your social media profiles and hopefully people can get in touch with you. I, my gosh, thanks for coming on the show. I'm so happy to have you in the tribe and, and I love the work you're doing and, and the dents you're making in the universe. Thanks for coming on the show. Ah, thank you. It was just great to talk with you. I really enjoyed it. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access to my online leadership course. That's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show.